evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special, always a very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are blessed to be with you tonight. Absolutely. So, folks, goodness, we're coming up on three years of Ignite Radio Live. Crazy town. And, you know, it is a humbling thing, Stephanie and I will acknowledge, to take to the airwaves live most of the time. Because you never know what you're going to get out of us. Certainly Truth. some have been uh, have been programmed in advance, produced in advance. But we've had some phenomenal coverage of great speakers and authors and professional athletes and uh, politicians. We've had a wide range of conversation, all with the goal of recognizing together you are beautiful listeners and us we're called to a way of life in jesus christ we're called to more than just moments of encounter and let's acknowledge it's difficult it's difficult not to base our faith life on powerful moments and to let it rest on those hooks of our memory and not to see that those are meant to be well moments being at the woman like the woman at the well it's meant to spill over where streams of living water flow into our lives it is difficult because we come away from the retreat come away from reading the good book the great hour-long program we come back into our messy human existence well guess what brothers and sisters that's what really matters that's where the greatest challenge is that's the message of bethlehem God in this place of perfection the ultimate retreat right father son and holy spirit fully contained in their deity, right? And uh, Jesus taking on flesh and blood, not with attendance of worldly greatness, but in Bethlehem, a mess. Stinky and smelly, not the place that if you and I had the power that we'd probably choose, that era, that time, in a stable under those circumstances. But God Almighty in Jesus Christ chose those circumstances. I'll repeat it again. He chose the mess. He came into the mess to baptize the mess. And if we don't recognize the mess... We're not going to recognize our need for the Messiah. So I want to right away tonight open the door and invite you to join in a conversation of things going on around us, the mess around us. And maybe right away I'm making a statement, a little bit angsty, a little bit tonish because I'm challenged myself. And that is the degree to which we as Catholics maybe spend a lot of energy trying to manufacture an image of perfection. Trying to maintain the furniture, if you will, when underneath or inside the furniture, maybe it's corrupt. We know this as parents. We know this in our relationships. We know this with our friendships. We can maintain for a period of time the, uh, if you will, the externals, right? But if we're not dealing with that under-the-hood stuff, that inside stuff, the mess of things, we're not really being transformed, and we're just going to feel the emptiness. And that message was really loud and clear the last couple weeks, especially last week with Bart mm-hmm. Schutz and being on the retreat with Bob, uh, the Be Healed idea. Just a challenge again to us Catholics to really get serious about looking below the hood. So tonight, yes, we're going to go there. We've had circumstances in the past week, and it's really nothing new. It's symptomatic of the society that we live in, of great divisiveness. We are not seeing the unity which Jesus came to accomplish, a unity of truth, to recognize the good, the beautiful, the true, and the one are the attributes of God, and we're called to image those, and how the enemy is spinning around, spinning all of that around. But in Gaudium et Spes, it's one of the great documents of Vatican II on the church in the modern world. The very first paragraph says this, The joys 
and the hopes, the griefs and the anxieties of the men of this age, especially those who are poor or in any way afflicted, these are the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. Indeed, nothing genuinely fails to raise an echo in their hearts. For theirs is a com- they're speaking of us. Theirs is a community composed of men, united in Christ. They are led by the Holy Spirit in their journey to the kingdom of their Father, and they have welcomed the news of salvation, which is meant for every man. That is why this community realize that it is truly linked with mankind. I'll say it again, linked with mankind and its history by the deepest of bonds. We're seeing really, uh, I think, a brokenness around us in the NFL thing, the major sports leagues. We're seeing a lot of confusion play out in all the stations of the media. They're spinning a lot of different stories and narratives. And if you're like me, you may be slightly confused, slightly aggravated, agitated. You want the information. And at the same time, you know, you want to set it aside and say, you know, I've got more important things. And all of those are valuable and valid responses. But at the end of the day, we're called to this world. We're called to Bethlehem. We're called to be in it appropriately in it and have meaningful conversations that bring and bear Christ to those around us. We're called to make judgments. The catechism speaks of our call to make judgments, not the ultimate evaluation that is reserved only for God. The word judgment throughout Scripture, when it we're exhorted not to, it's really referring to kind of a condemnation. We're not called to condemn, but we are called to make evaluations of right and wrong. And you know what? They may offend But we're under the same light. You and me are under the same light of those truths. And we fall short. Let's just acknowledge it. We fall short of the judgments, but we're we're not going to throw away the judgments and the guideline because we fall short. That's the key here. We're not going to throw away uh, the beautiful church teaching on marriage and family life or purity of heart because somebody may struggle with pornography or struggle with, as they used to say, take custody of your eyes. Those truths remain whether we struggle or not, and we've got to face those judgments. Which of us don't face inclinations that merit self-control? We all do. Whether you're homosexual, fortunately, that's not my thing. I, I don't have that struggle. I've got my other struggles. But one's struggle is not a validation. One's desire is not its own validation. There's something deeper and truer that God reveals for our, our beatitude, for our unity with him. And, you know, it, it's so true. Chesterton said it so well. And actually, it, was, it appeared um, in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we can't so much break the law. The movie. The, the movie, right. Thank you. <laughs> we, uh, we can't so much break the law, only break ourselves against it. I tell the story very often of a classmate of mine many years down the road interacting with her and she was in the scene we were familiar with common friends and she made a lot of the big decisions of departure from god and she suffered from it in life later on she left the catholic church but came into a beautiful relationship with jesus but she was very disparaging she kind of bought into the narrative of that church and how stuffy and how institutional and all those rules that she had in her catholic upbringing that i had the same of you know and she's disparaging it she says you know they had all these rules But we really, you know, we all thought they were stupid and didn't follow them. And I said, I'll call her Julie. I said, Julie, which of those rules did any of us really break that didn't, in fact, break us? Really, which one? I mean, uh, to to steal, lie, adultery, covet thy thy neighbor's goods. Which of these rules um, have any of us really broken that didn't, in fact, cause us great anguish and others anguish? And further, you have three beautiful daughters now. Which of those rules would you not want your daughters to observe? I think... The enemy wants to get in there and deprive us 
of seeing the true, the good, the beautiful, and the one that he fashioned us. Our very nature is made for Christ. And the enemy today is still offering us the apple in so many forms. So we're inviting you to, to call in and register your thoughts. You know, what's burning on your heart from a faith perspective that's going on around us? What are you reading and absorbing in this situation with the NFL, the quote-unquote protests? What are you hearing? How is it affecting you from a faith perspective? What are your thoughts and commentary? Uh, the number is 877-275-8098, 877-275-8098. And uh, just queuing this all up, I'm going to give my wife, put her on the spot right away. And ask her just to kind of be vulnerable and candid and share with us. And again, I'm inviting you to a conversation. It's a mess, right? It's a mess. But we got to talk about these things. And a radio is a beautiful context to try to be honest and authentic. Uh, And I invite any of you out there who have something to contribute to this conversation. Uh, What is happening in the events of the recent week and just in our world around us from a faith perspective? So, Steph, what's been stirring in your mind and heart? Well, this is a family-friendly show, so I'm more of the kitchen cathartic you sure are. commentator. Um, so I encourage you guys <laughs> to call to in you. 877-275-8098 to save Stephanie. Um, no, the thoughts that I will share. Um, one, just the whole Ephesians thing, if you will. Uh, Ephesians 6. Exactly. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Like we have to both acknowledge, be aware of, and be prepared for that battle that's going on. Because it's so easy to reduce it to, you know, the politics or the this or the that, when really what it comes down to is a spiritual battle going on around us that we are a part of and not just your phone going off there. But um, so that being said, I think not only what we're witnessing gives evidence to that, but also the reactions. And I'm talking to myself, like what gets stirred up inside of me, I need to bring before the Lord and see what is of him and what is of the evil one. And um, because it's so easy to take a good thing or just anger or, um, and, allow Satan to twist it and to let me become a certain way that's not holy. Um, so, yes, I'm trying to avoid your question. You no. can't avoid the question. You're, <laughs> no, you're I'm really not. A... I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm kidding. So that, first and foremost, I think we all need to be reminded of that um, reality of spiritual warfare going on. So that being said, um, my heart is broken to look around and to see what's going on. Um, What's going on for anybody who's had their head in the sand? um, Just the whole NFL stuff and how um, it's been so twisted and I'm going to pause you, but just for anybody who has not paid any attention whatsoever, you had Kaepernick last year, maybe even a year earlier, choosing to protest, if you will, during the national anthem. He was solitary in the NFL doing that. And I believe that the only expression or articulation of that was maybe because of violence by policemen to uh, black men in particular. By the way, Kaepernick has adopted, I believe, his mom and one of his parents was white, one of his parents was black. I think it took a political tone a little more when he wore socks of policemen and Pigs dressed as policemen, socks in the NFL field. It became very political. 
Um, he's not somebody who voted. He definitely was, if you will, um, it seemed to just wanting to make a protest. And clearly there are divisive issues that we need to address and we can't gloss those over. Then fast forward, Kaepernick, free agent, isn't picked up by anybody in the NFL. He has a lot of talent, but again, you know, who knows the reasons? I can't make any judgments. Um, and you have uh, our president who maybe made some statements. I don't know the order, the progress uh, of how things took place, but there were some tweets. Uh, I don't know what came first or second, but I do think there was there were many athletes, obviously, this past weekend who chose to apparently kneel while they're praying during the national anthem, but really it's a mark Not of protest. Praying, right. Well, they called it a prayer, right? That term was used. But, uh, you know, an so. active protest by many who just knelt down and did not stand and put their hand on their heart, which is, is uh, typically, you know, it's protocol for honor for those well, who died for our flag. And I think it was exacerbated by the president of the United States defended, uh, you know, who is vowed to defend the flag, if you will, to say, hey, if you're going to go against these laws, which there are NFL laws, just rules. like ex- rules, rules, just like excessive yeah. celebrating in the end zone. Um, there are rules and there are fines. If you're going to go against these, you know, in classical Trump-like fashion, I'm not going to defend him, right. uh, maturity, et cetera, et cetera. But he did tweet and uh, say they, they ought to be fired. And of course, he is, the, you know, if you will, the highest, uh, the one called most, if you will, to defend uh, the values of this country, good, bad and otherwise. So this happened this past weekend on many fields, I think in Dallas uh, was a Sunday, Monday night football um, thing. It just so obviously that's the mess. mess around us. Right. So, again, you can go back and forth with, you know, it's the NFL rule. Therefore, they shouldn't do it there. Why are we politicizing sports? Um, so, again, our take on this tonight is how does faith play into this all? What is a faith perspective um, in the world around us? We can't stick our heads in the sand, like you said, Greg, and you read the beautiful passage from God and Bess and um we're called to be that witness. We're called to engage. We're called to bring a culture of life. We're called to bring Christ to the world. So how do we do that when it seems that there's such division? And ironically, in my opinion, the division being created right now is by the people who refuse to stand you know, during the national anthem. I'm going to say it. There's a progressive liberal agenda that you can trace to Saul Alinsky. And if you see Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, a movie produced on EWTN, it articulates the fabric of what we are facing today in this culture, in this society. It is documented, it is factual, it attributes words to this sociologist born in the 20th century, extremely influential. Uh, I will say our former president and a former presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, um, were students at his feet and studied him in Chicago, and it is all about, um, if you will, using race as a card to disrupt society and to disrupt the world around us. I'm open to alternative views, but I will say that that movie and, and studying Saul Alinsky makes it very clear what's happening today and causing this disruption. One might look, for instance, any, at any problem, right? If you see abortion, what is the natural inclination as a parent or somebody who's a leader? You go to the source of the problem. You speak to the source of the problem. Well, 
what is the source of the problem? Let's just say that it is. And we understand there's been racism. We can't stick our heads in the sand. Right, absolutely. Articulated to my kids. I grew up with a very dear friend, Chucky Latimer, grew up in our neighborhood, a suburban white neighborhood, and the travails that he faced. And it, it deeply aggravated, annoyed, caused us a lot of consternation. You know, one of six boys, and we love our brother Chucky. And uh, what he had to endure, if you was just pathetic. There clearly is a culture uh, with racist elements, and we all need to examine that. That absolutely is true, and we need to examine that okay so let's acknowledge that fact back to my point when there's a problem you address the problem to the source if a teacher is causing a problem in the classroom i'm not going to go to the fisherman up the street you know i'm going to go directly to the teacher and then i'm going to go to the principal as matthew 18 tells us to do so we have this situation now in the nfl it's a language protest is a language what is it saying and who are they saying it to those are my questions what are they saying and who are they saying it to what's it got to do with the national anthem and if you don't mind, um, I, I did jot down some ideas. And again, I invite you to, if you disagree, uh, if you have something to contribute to this conversation, 877-275-8098. Before I read this for you, my wife, you wanted to... I just wanted to finish what I was saying. So again, just if we look at what our what the whole idea of the national anthem and standing is all about, it's honoring our country. It's honoring those who gave their lives so that we have these rights. It's a sign of unity. It's a sign of um, thanking God for what we've been given. Is our country perfect? No, but it is the greatest country in the world, and we are the most blessed country in the world. We are the most generous country in the world. And so, like you're saying, like focus on the problem where it needs to be focused. That should be that opportunity to come together. Everyone's always talking about this divisiveness. Well, here's an opportunity to come together. And if before you uh, go ahead with your stuff, it was interesting because I was, of course, I'm going to give the little female version of the story here, cleaning off books in in our basement off the shelves today, kind of trying to simplify and um simplify so some of these were old school books from different family members who had homeschooled in the past some were actually my mom and dad's like readers and just neat books so i happened to open up one of them and it opened up it was like a 19 i don't know 50 something reader and in it were were the full lyrics to the star spangled banner Mm -hmm. which i just thought was kind of ironic in a very cool way so we actually had to memorize them many years ago, like the first two or maybe three verses. But the last verse, which we didn't have to memorize, I would like to share with Please you, our do. listeners, which it just struck me amidst all this What's stuff going, going on. on. Oh, thus be it ever when freemen shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause, it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free in the home of the brave. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and we are very live tonight addressing a lot of the issues we are facing together as a culture, all fashioned for an intimacy with Christ, aware that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. we got to get in the mess, though, folks. We've got to find ways of dealing with it. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. It may be awkward. We've got to cut our teeth in the best sense of opening conversations, of listening to one another, of just creating an atmosphere where we can talk about it. And, uh, and so 
I just, I guess I want to read for you because I did write down these thoughts because everybody's surprised. I know Facebook, if you want to read this, you could see it at Facebook. So 877-275-8098 if you'd like to join the conversation. So professional athletes, what exactly are you protesting? This is not about a right to peacefully protest, which we all ought to respect. I'm genuinely seeking here to understand what and why people are protesting. I'm inviting respectful conversation. NFL friends, number one, how have you been deprived? Under this flag, you've attained the pinnacle of the American dream. Number two, why do we not regard the NFL's 70% black population as racism, which is hugely disproportionate? I, by the way, I have links by all of these, but I won't, of course, give you the citation. You can see it when it's published. Number three, if it's specifically about institutionalized violence against blacks, ought we not consider a, a change from Democrat to Republican leadership? Quotation, America's 10 most dangerous cities, as measured by federal crime statistics, have one highly notable feature in common. All are led politically by Democratic mayors, unquote. B, an honest and sober consideration of the facts regarding police violence. Stats reveal police violence against black men is not as common as one may think. And by the way, my little interject, any, any act is horrible, right? Any act of violence is intolerable. But let's look at the facts. C, recognition of black-on-black crime. I don't have any stats below this, but it is linked. D, the intentional strategic killing of blacks through abortion, which is substantially supported by one party. I'm going off script here for a second. If there's any cause to protest, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You cannot have pursuit of happiness without liberty, and you can't have liberty without life. You know, if there were three-year-olds, you know, that we saw, you know, walking about the malls or whatever, and they were being killed with the support of our government, indeed, maybe even with the payment of the government, wouldn't you think people would rise up and defend them? Would we not have within us uh, a natural inclination to defend human life? But here it's happening behind sanitized, closed doors by yours and my dollars in many regards, disproportionately for blacks going on long before 1973, but certainly legalized with Roe v. Wade, that infamous decision that overrode the entire constitutional pro- or, uh, legislative process and instituted it. I mean, that to me is a cause to protest. If there's any cause to protest our country and its problems, is there anything more egregious than killing and anything more monolithic than killing unborn babies, especially singling out black babies? That's attributed to one party, folks. Number four, if the increased incidence of protest is politically motivated, Because Trump is racist, why has he hosted other championship teams at the White House? Is there not room for appropriate free speech by the President of the United States for the flag he's pledged to defend and invoking whatever penalties for going against an NFL rule? We can't disregard very important problems, but these will not be addressed by reducing everything to a political football. It makes no sense to disparage the very thing you rely upon. As Churchill stated, quote, many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time, unquote. The most sensible words come from a saint of the New Orleans variety. Quote, it's not a skin problem, it's a sin problem, unquote. From Benjamin Watson, we fight not against flesh and blood. Let's not get distracted, people. The only answer was revealed in Acts chapter 2. 
People of every nation and tongue were united in the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. This is real power to heal, transform, and unite. Veni Sancti Spiritus. So there's my take, and I'm inviting you folks, call in. Call in and debate, call in and express your opinion, add your two cents, how's it moving you? Um, how are you sort of navigating not being distracted without, again, we got to address it. It's not just putting our heads in the sand. This affects the world around us. But how are you leading maybe your home in meaningful conversations if your children or your family, if you know, are, um, are open to it? Uh, 877-275-8098. And I just want to, I've said this before on our various shows, but when there's stuff going on like this and it seems like there's continuous stuff that goes on that kind of calls our attention to when we get sucked into watching the news or listening to the radio or um, weighing in on Facebook or whatever social media one may prefer. But we need to remember for as much time as we give that stuff if not more, we need to be on our knee. We need to take a knee <laughs> and to come before the Lord in prayer, not only for our country, for our leaders, but for transformation of all of us. You know, one of my first actions, Stephanie, was to call a dear brother in Christ who's a black pastor. And I called a non-Caucasian pastor friend um, because I know they're godly men. And I know uh, one of them in particular has, has a right, good uh, heart for these circumstances. And we all recognize the right to protest, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he had a different take than me, but I wanted to hear him communicate, you know, the perspective that I may be missing. And he gave me some great insights there. And, and it's not clear enough in my mind. They were solid. They were sound. It's not clear enough, enough in my mind, and I think it would be an injustice to try to communicate them. But I will have him on air to kind of share with us some of his perspective um, to help us understand, you know, maybe if you were the plight of black people to understand the way some of them feel about this. Um, I do believe that we can distinguish between some who are very, if you will, just generally politically entitlement motivated. It's just kind of a sides team thing, progressive versus conservative, and that's just silly. But there is, in the midst of this, a legitimate need for us to be sensitized, for us to understand what it's like to grow up the way many people have grown up, that is finding its way, uh, if you will, expressed in these I think inappropriate ways, you know, I'm judging them as inappropriate ways to express it because they're not addressed to those ways, those entities that can actually have power over the situation and they're divisive as a result. Handing the mic off to me. I am. The mic is off. Um, I don't know the details of it, but I picked up a little bit here and a little bit there. So pardon me for my ignorance, but I believe, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but there was a church shooting that has been, completely silenced in the news um, because of all of this other stuff going on. So we need to keep in mind also that there's a lot of more serious stuff going on. And I'm not saying, again, to ignore this, but it was a, a shooter going into a church, and I don't know how many casualties there were. I was just looking that up as you um, handed me the mic unexpectedly. Um, so I'll let you do that right now. Uh so, yeah, we encourage you guys to call in 877-275-8098. I know, Greg, that after you got off the phone with one of those pastors, one thing that you had shared that um, he had said was just there needs to be somewhere that this can be talked about. You know, some sort of, um, you know, people use the term safe 
safe space. But just, you know, people can go at it on, again, social media or this or that, and we can, you know, say what we want to say. But where is that dialogue happening? You know, you expressed wanting to understand in a deeper way, you know, what um, certain people may be experiencing or whatever. And that's great. I mean, to understand before being understood, right? Just that whole notion of good, holy communication and to listen. I think so often, especially when we're disagreeing with somebody, um, you know, we're, we're formulating already in our mind, our response that what we're going to say to them or what we're going to prove to them or how, you know, we're just going to, you know, do a mic drop kind of comment or whatever, instead of really trying ego oriented, narcissistic oriented, want to be right oriented to listen and to understand and to help bring that person perhaps to the truth, because it really comes down to that over and over and over again. If we are, um, have integrity in our belief, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves Catholic Christians we want to bring others to the truth, and we do that in love. And I don't mean, you know, the feel good, I'm okay, you're okay. And sometimes it's tough love, but it should always be done in charity. And again, just that listening and processing and allowing people to feel understood and that they have a voice. Um, I just think that's so important. And parents and grandparents, open the discussion up for your kids because you know they're having it online. You know they're having it in their classrooms. And sometimes, I hate to say it, even in the best of Catholic schools, it's not necessarily what you would be wanting them to hear or to be formed in. So help give them that platform at home, around the kitchen table, or on the couch at night, or in their bedroom, or whatever, that that discussion can be open and they can ask questions and seek deeper understanding and maybe help formulate some responses. And I just think we miss so many opportunities as parents and significant adults in kids' lives to help equip them, first of all, for them to understand more deeply, but also to equip them to be able to speak that truth and to speak it in love. We have to, and I'm challenged by this, distinguish between the ways in which the world, again, the gospel this past week, the ways of the world versus the ways of God, the ways of the world that just make sense for a worldly uh, landscape, but do not make sense for a kingdom approach. So, for instance, it makes sense for my kids to uh, cross country or soccer or basketball to want to win. Now, I wouldn't call the other side an enemy. That's not an appropriate term. But I want them to win, and I prefer my son's team. And I you know, may even pray. I pray that he does his best. Quite frankly, I do not pray for teams to win because I don't think God cares. I think he wants people to be excellent. Now, that same, though, mindset of conquest, of victory, if you will, in the realm of sports, does not work um, in a, if you will, a moral landscape where we're vilifying the essence or nature of other people. The essence of the nature of other people were literally labeling people or regarding them as intrinsically evil. Now, we would never say that, but the media thrives on that. And I think we've got to examine our motives, the ways in which various uh, news um, entities and agencies that subscribe to their various ideology, they thrive on having us 
be contrarian on labeling the other side, uh, if you will, as, um, you know, intrinsically evil or intrinsically good. I mean, literally, they thrive on picking sides. They sell copies. They make money on picking sides. As you just said, Stephanie, though, we've got to go deeper and recognize the dignity, the goodness, the God-likeness of every human being. In fact, there's an interesting insight here on evangelization that is not so much bringing to somebody something they don't already have, but putting a mirror in front of them and helping them see the goodness that they are. I think that is absolutely huge. Um, And, and, you know, if if, if we're just going to be spinning around arguments, and I do think there's a place for argument, by the way. I think there's a place for making points and articulating these things. If they're not leading to somebody's awakening of who they essentially are, beyond just points, but their essential goodness, their God-likeness, it's just more confusion. It's just more clutter. It's just more clouds. We're going to play a song right now. Yes, we are. We're waiting for this. Chosen right from the vault. Stephanie chose it. And uh, we do want to invite you to call in, register your thoughts, your struggles, your challenges in living out Catholicism, having a Catholic perspective with these kinds of circumstances that surround us. We'll be right back with you in a few minutes. There ain't no doubt I love it. 
Awesome. Folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and we are, we're, we're opening the door to conversation, to opening the door to conversation about the mess around us and the mess within us, without which we don't need a Messiah, and we do need a Messiah, which means we need to acknowledge the mess. And it may be awkward, it may be difficult, and there's a time and a place, I understand that. Don't be afraid of the conversation, though. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to open the door in the right time in the right place. And you know what? If it, if it isn't happening week after week after week, you know it's not just, you know, the right time and the place. It's fear. And in that case, maybe you need to pray or we need to pray, Lord, give me courage. And I think the heart of all that is, Lord, give me your heart to understand what so-and-so is going through. Give me your heart. Give me the words to say and help me speak them. This is a day where we cannot remain silent. In fact, that's a sin of omission. More and more, I, you know, people have said, you know, many may not make it to heaven or they may be more and more have longer periods of purgatory, not for sins of commission, things they do, but for failing to speak. That was in the Gospels a while ago. You know, I will say this. I think if there's courage to be awarded to anybody, it's going to be somebody like, I can't pronounce the last name, Alejandro Valanuva from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were, I believe, called to stay in the locker room during the National Anthem, but he's a former Army Ranger who came out, put his hand on his heart during the National Anthem. But should that take courage? Should that have been, you know, has it come to this, that the landscape in our country, that the courageous decision is the right decision? That the courageous decision is to stand for words that so beautifully articulate the very basis of why everybody's even on that field? of how they got their money from and, and, and the peace and the serenity and the security and the defense and the support and the general order of this society? Why should, why should that take courage? There ought to be a lot of examination from all of us tonight, and I certainly am examining, you know, a, a whole lot of things because I want to be a godly father. I want to be a godly husband. I want to be a godly neighbor. I want to have a context of good, meaningful conversations. But, you know, folks, if, if you're trending towards the okayness, I think, you know— Either I'm missing something or I really welcome you to call in and share your perspective as to how the language of protest during the national anthem has anything to do with restoring racial equality. How it has anything to do with, with any positivity that any of us might see. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say I see it as cowardly. I see it as easy. Um, I think there's so many other ways to express um, one's going against the grain. And, you know, I do get concerned. You know, you read Nazi Germany. I'm not equating people who protest with Nazi Germans. But I remember as a little kid watching the movie The Holocaust and then again with the great movie Roots. And I thought to myself how easy it is for us to just go with the flow with basic, general, mushy-gushy ideas and how people start funneling down this stream and and getting in the water and uh, not really knowing why or the direction. They just kind of go along with it, and one becomes five, becomes ten. Without asking the question, it doesn't lead anywhere good. It doesn't lead anywhere positive. We saw that with abortion. We see that, you know, with with um, with our issues with marriage and family life. In pornography, we're just getting in the stream. We're really not asking where it's leading or the end result. If we ask the question, where is this leading? What, what good is being accomplished of this? If we ask those sorts of questions, I'm confident more and more of us wouldn't get in that stream. Certainly, it used to be just in high school, right? You'd think peer pressure. That was the big statement. 
It used to be kind of the, the teenage thing that, you know, the, the group, if you will, is doing these things and it just doesn't make sense. They're getting drunk and, you know, how can that be fun throwing up, you know? But they're doing it again and again. You know, it's insane. But, you know, somehow that has seeped or continued with us, you know, sort of into an adolescent adulthood. We've lost adulthood. We've lost the example of parents and adults who are willing to speak. And I'll even say this, you know, so I'm going to even, you know, um, go after Trump here for a moment. Okay, I'm glad generally with this compass, I think uh, the values certainly are way, way better than uh, the alternative. And, and more accord, I believe, certainly if you look at the five negotiables, non-negotiables from a Catholic perspective, Trump is operating on most cylinders there pretty strongly. But gosh, I wish we had greater maturity I wish we had some adult statesmanship that was exhibited there. You know, our kids talk about this in their, their generation, especially those of them that might be conservative. You know, I think a lot of them, quite frankly, they're feeling marginalized. We're seeing, you know, a polarization unlike anything we've seen before. And I'll say as parents, our challenge is, is trying to impart solid values, solid integrity for them to live without judging in the sense of condemning other people to be magnanimous in a way that might win people over. And I'll say, you know, for our kids, there have been some really awesome examples. There have been some low moments of judgment, maybe of peers that have been uh, less than virtuous, but the mirror is always in front of them. But there have been some awesome examples where they have taken the time to go for coffee or tea with, with friends and to talk about some of these issues and uh, with great success on the other end. And you've heard some of those stories here on Ignite Radio Live. So I'm just inviting you to join the conversation, to have the conversation, to not be afraid of the conversation. How is the conversation playing out? What's going on tonight, brothers and sisters, as you're thinking about these very real issues? This is the landscape where faith takes place. It's not just behind closed walls and hearing the beautiful, awesome words of the Mass. That's meant to overflow. Those truths, source and summit, the Eucharist is meant to overflow and flood into our way of thinking, into our way of feeling, into this world around us. It's meant to affect the public institutions around us. We're called to be involved actively as citizens of this country. In a democracy, everything that we see around us, we are responsible for. We will be accountable for because we've been given power. We've been given a voice. We've been given a voice and power for things that we do do and say, and we'll also be held accountable for the things that we don't do and say. So call in tonight, 877-275-8098. We want to hear uh, you know, what's going on, what, what your thoughts are of the things that we're saying. You can disagree. That would be awesome. Hey, Greg, I just disagree. All right, wonderful. If you've got a perspective that might make sense or legitimize, you know, sort of this protest culture, I do believe, by the way, it's connected to uh, the kind of protests we see on college campuses. It lacks the volatility. It lacks the violence. But I do think it's a similarly undefined, mushy uh, response to some issues that could be dealt in a much better way, in a much better place, in a much better time, in a much more effective way. So there you have it. And as we're waiting for you, our dear listeners, to call in 877-275-8098, I'm going to take the opportunity for a little brief commercial for two awesome things coming up. One is you've heard so many times here on Ignite Radio Live um, the wonderful stories of um, transformation and opportunity in Christ um, through Catholic Youth Summer Camp, CYSC. Mm. Um, just amazing, wonderful, uh, incredible ministry going on in Centerburg, Ohio, right in the center of Ohio. 
uh, at Damascus Missionary Camp. And um, many of our listeners have children or grandchildren who have experienced this week-long camp, and it's truly been life-changing. Um, so just a little commercial for them, CYSC. Dot, is it dot com or dot org? Dot com. Dot com. CYSC dot com. And um, registration, which fills very quickly for the entire summer, mm-hmm. opens up this Sunday, October 1st. And we just um, want to, again, shout out, encourage all of you guys to sign up. We have two specific weeks that are kind of designated um, Toledo weeks. We'll Mm -hmm. have a Toledo priest there, Diocese of Toledo priest. And Bishop Thomas, who is on um, their board, he will celebrate the closing mass during one of those weeks too. So the high school Toledo week, I believe, is July 1st through the 6th. Is that correct? 1st through the 6th. Session D is the high school session. Yes. And... The middle school Toledo week is? Is July 29th through August 3rd. Again, Bishop Thomas will conclude that, and that's uh, session H. So middle school is session H, July 29th through August 3rd, uh, concluding Mass with Bishop Thomas. And again, the high school session D with the awesome Father Eric Schild. Is, uh, is going to be on hand through the duration of that week. So you want to sign up for this, and I can't emphasize it strongly enough. You think you can wait, you can't. Um, this was filled in two weeks last year, and they had a waiting list of literally hundreds. And those so, are people who put their name on a waiting list. That's right. So mm-hmm. I'm saying October 1st hits. I believe it's this Sunday. Yep. So And I think it's online. So even though you're not supposed to work or whatever, you know, I would carve out a few moments and register your sons and daughters in the middle school session or the high school session. So it's for students going into those sixth grades. grade? Um, all the way up to going into senior year of high school. And if those uh, weeks that we've tried to designate as Toledo just to kind of build that fellowship up don't work for your schedule, don't let that stop you from signing up. Great people from all over um, will be there. So just an amazing program to encounter Christ with high, high, what's what's the phrase? High High. adventure activities and um, Deepening the faith. How about that? So that's one commercial, CYSC, signing up. Registration opens October 1st, CYSC.com. And the other one is, it sounds like it's far off, but Advent is just around the corner, folks. And we are blessed once again this year Mm -hmm. um, to offer presents for Christmas, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, during the four Wednesdays of Advent, and that will take place at St. Joan of Arc Church. Again, thank you to Father Adam Hertzfeld. We love you. Um, and just a really neat way to enter into the heart of Christmas, what it's all about. And, you know, during Lent, there seem to be so many um, more, really, activities and opportunities uh, to make it a more spiritual thing. And Advent, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot. And that is one reason I think that Presence for Christmas has been so fruitful Mm -hmm. because it gives us a little mini retreat as we walk closer to that awesome day of Christmas. So in this year, too, we are going um, to designate each week. Uh, there'll be a speaker giving a little witness and any, any donations that are received that specific night will go toward their nonprofit ministry. And those are... In no particular order, Annunciation Radio, woo, 
Deacon Mike Learned um, will be giving the little short witness talk. Uh, Pete Range from the Respect Life Office, who does not love Peter Range? Come on, people. Um, St. Paul's Outreach, the food pantry at St. Joan of Arc Church. They do amazing work there. St. Vincent de Paul. I'm sorry, St. Vincent de Paul. And the Culture Project. Um, so a leader from their team will be speaking and donations will go toward their wonderful work of evangelization in the diocese. So mark those dates down. It's sign up, actually. It's free uh, if you sign up at presentsforchristmas.com, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-F-O-R, Christmas.com. That's my commercial. Okay, those are good commercials. Um, folks, Again, inviting you to call in. Uh, that's a beautiful live show. It's talking about issues, and increasingly we want to be relevant. We want to be engaging. This faith of ours has everything to do with the entire created world. It has to do with our ultimate good. Um, the things playing out around us are occasions for our holiness. Um, we know throughout history we saw the saints always dealt with difficult circumstances, Dare I say, they all had their own mess as an occasion for the Messiah. And I think that often as Catholics, we may miss opportunities to uh, recognize this faith plays out on this field. It plays out in the real field, in real life, in our homes. And the more we understand that, the more we embrace it, the more we encounter it, the more we see God's grace conquer, I think the more those around us might be drawn to see the source of that conquering. They might be drawn to Mass. They might recognize it's not just kind of a, a checklist, but there is real power in our faith. 2,000 years, Jesus Christ giving us his church, giving us the sacraments, continuing his presence alive through this church of ours in spite of challenges and difficulties for 2,000 years. Isn't it time we, we see this church come alive? I'm convinced that this is such a moment. Esther, it is, we were made for such a time as this. You know, the scary clouds of North Korea kind of lingering over us with the destructive capacity this world has never known. And now in the hands of, dare I say, you know, a madman, one created for God, for Christ, we need to pray for his conversion. But this is very real, more than rhetoric. It, it, you know, we have no idea how quickly and easily this world, the rug can be pulled out from under us. And I'm convinced that God is in it in the Holy Spirit, but he will allow anything for us to come and radically rely upon him. He will allow anything for the greatest good of us coming to radically rely upon him. The sort of uh, allegory, or not allegory, sort of the uh, connection to that is that um, maybe we're missing the encounter with Christ because of our comfort. We would never say this. But if we're really honest, maybe we're missing that intimacy and an encounter with God because we go back to a safe neighborhood in safe homes, with food on the table. Sure, we may have our concerns with work and children and friends, but it's nothing compared to kind of a core concern of uh, that many have experienced throughout the world where the faith literally thrived. At some level, because of our comfortableness in this modern world, especially in America, we're being deprived, perhaps, of a radical reliance on Jesus that is an occasion for him to come into this world and reveal all the more powerfully his presence. I want to turn to um, the gospel for this coming Sunday. And again, this is what we really believe. We believe that, you know, we've had good retreats and moments that have transformed our lives. And we believe that God gives us the living retreat that is liturgy, and it's meant to structure not just an hour of our lives, but to be the fabric of every moment of our lives. And so MassImpact.us 
is at the service of this encounter with the Trinity of Christ leading us, ushering us into the life of the Trinity through the readings, through inviting families and groups to talk and pray, and not just to run through words and maybe you know feel satisfied, but to be fed by the words. And that only happens if we're aware of the Mass. How different and how powerful our faith would be and the readings would be if we approached them aware of our needs, because then suddenly we'd be looking for answers. We'd be looking for answers to the sorts of things we talked about tonight. Not just facile, simple, easy answers that maybe seem easy to us, but deep, true, rooted answers of our nature. So let's approach tonight as I proclaim the gospel. Steph, if you have it up, if you don't mind proclaiming it. These are the words that we are given, that God is giving us in the liturgy, in the cycle, this coming Sunday. A gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. Mm. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Without any sacrilegious, I wanted to say, the mic drop of the Lord. (laughs) Right? That is powerful. Dang. Right. Right in the middle there, what strikes you, tax collectors, prostitutes, the most uh, defiled um, group known to any religious culture, theirs as well as maybe even ours, um, and to say that these are the ones... We're going to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, regardless of what else is around, I think if if God is saying that to me, I want to know what the criteria is for entering the kingdom of God. I want to know what it is I'm not doing well. I want to know what illusions I'm operating under that may have me feel content and complacent that actually um, are, are blocks to getting into the kingdom of heaven. What were your thoughts as you read this, Steph? Like I said, dang. <laughs> no, just, again, it, uh, just that self-reflection. Like, it's easy to be like, yeah, those chief priests, you know, those elders. But we've been blessed beyond words with the gift of faith and the gift of the Catholic faith. And, you know, where are those moments where we become righteous? Where are those moments that mm-hmm. we don't hear what the Lord is trying to tell us because it doesn't quite fit into our convenient life, our convenient pride, our convenient, you know, as I always say, fill in the blank. But, um, you know, just to really come before the Lord and say, open my eyes, Lord, show me those things that I need um, to be cleansed of so that, uh, you hate to say it like this, but to have the heart of the prostitute or the tax Mm. collector or whatever, you know. So I, I think the bullseye here for us 
in a religious culture, religiously minded, involved in faith, Catholics, because I could, I can't speak to others in their circumstances, whatever theirs may be. We are challenged. Those of us who may, you know, know the catechism, who try to form our kids in truth and faith to go to Mass, I want to consider what does this say to those of us? And I do mean me. And I think it's this one line, Jesus speaking to the one, uh, the, the, the young man who says, yes, sir, but did not go. Yes, sir. So he's giving lip service. He's, he's acknowledging to God that he will do something. He acknowledges the concept. He acknowledges the truth of it. It's intellectual, but it does not move him enough. There's not enough within him of a surrender to God to actually move, to actually go and do the thing. So we had a wonderful pastor, Charles Allen, a number of weeks ago who used the two G words. He said, you know, we're really good at gathering, but we don't go. We're really good at gathering, but we do not go. And it's worth asking ourselves a question. You know, the Gospels speak of going into the world and making disciples in every land. Pope John Paul II said, shout it from the rooftops. I mean, we are called to go to people, and and often we're next to them in our cubicles at work. We're in the same homes with them. Are we going in the sense of trying to communicate more than concepts, but bringing in the field of souls about a harvest, nurturing them, cultivating them. It's interesting that he uses, you know, sort of the metaphor of the vineyard. You know, what is the vineyard comprised of? Grapes. What are grapes? What happens to make the wine? They're smashed up. They're ground up. They're broken. We have the same reality in the blood of Christ. The wine becomes the blood of Christ. There's a process there. And it's a breaking process. This is what the process that he's wanting us to go and be part of, to be part of a vineyard that is the world around us. We may be the ones who are ground up to become with Christ that wine. That results in what? Eternal life. So, you know, I is a, as a very directly, you know, we have new seasons of this retreat movement and uh, the next season of that. And I do think it's worth asking the question, what effect does it have in our marriages and families? What has it done practically to influence our talking and praying in our homes, in our marriages? So in those moments, too, you know, we say we're going to go, you know, we're all fired up, but yet we don't go. You know, like we need to be challenged. Three things quickly that jumped out to me again. Integrity, the the phrase Father's will. Like do we pray to have the heart of the Father's will and to follow that? And also there was a quote during our retreat, something to the effect of, do we have faith in faith or do we have faith in God? Lord Jesus, we pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth in our hearts and minds as it is in heaven. Let your spirit pour forth and through us to the world. God bless you all. And the USA. <laughs>